My name is Steve Mackey. I'm the owner pharmacist at Spruce Mountain Pharmacy in Jay. We're in the western mountains of Maine. We're about an hour and a half northwest of Portland. We're a hybrid pharmacy, so we're offering traditional retail pharmacy services plus compounding. We're using the Computer Rx software here to make us kind of unique in the market. We use the uh, Rx Safe Rapid Pack script packaging program and hardware to make compliance packaging available for our patients who choose to have that as a service that we offer. When we brought the Rapid Pack pill packer into the system, we brought that in the same time we moved to the new building. And I remember seeing the machine roll in and I was over the moon. I'm like, oh my gosh, the pill packing machine is here. I am so excited for this. That pill packing system has been a growth point of my pharmacy. To learn more about how the RX Safe Rapid Pack system can help improve your pharmacy's efficiency and revenue, visit rxsafe.com. That's rxsafe.com. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Healthcare is becoming not just a uh, one of those words that people throw out, I guess, back in the day because it was cool. But what is digital health, and when will we drop the digital, and when is it going to just become healthcare and tools that we're using and technology that's being leveraged? Nonetheless, there's a popular hashtag, hashtag digital health, that Simpler started following quite some time ago, and that was. Let's find in the Twitter sphere, in the Twitter universe, which I love Twitter. If anybody's a Pharmacy Podcast Nation follower, you know how much we're on it every day, all the time, tweeting away, uh, exchanging information between each other. And we use hashtag TwitterRx, and uh, we have so many, 36 million impressions to that hashtag per month and a ton of attention. And so hashtag digital health has been important to me because I like looking at the experts, the, 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 the innovators, the thought leaders, people that are really digging into how technology is going to impact healthcare. And of course, my sweet spot, my most favorite provider out there are you pharmacists. Um, and I wanna know how digital health is going to impact you as providers. And I have followed a digital health leader for some time now, and he is a fellow podcaster, the incremental incrementalist, um, if you can get that out, if you can say that three times real fast, I will send you a U.S. Farmy t-shirt. I want to welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation, Dr. Nick Vander Hayden. Welcome, Dr. Nick. How are you? Thanks for having me, Todd. It's great to be here. So Chief Medical Officer for Dell at, at some point, um, providing that strategic insights and guidance to different support organizations and medical professionals. You've had uh, so many interviews over the years where people are diving into um, your thoughts about digital health specifically. Tell our listeners um, out there a little bit about you if they don't know who Dr. Nick is. Uh, absolutely. So most people pick up pretty quickly that I don't hail from these shores. Uh, I have a 
something of a lilt of an accent. It uh, varies depending on who I'm talking to, I'll be honest. Um, most people will pick up the English or the British in there. I went to medical school in England, but I grew up overseas. I was actually born uh, on a different continent, went to boarding school, uh, and have lived all over the world. That's one of the privileges that I have is that that informs many of my thoughts, insights, uh, and indeed, um, the opportunities. One of the things that I think we continue to miss uh, in many instances is learning from other countries and other experiences. Um, more on that later, I'm sure. But as for me, I went to medical school, practiced medicine in the UK and Australia for a number of years as an emergency room physician, and then found myself moving into digital health long before it was actually a thing. It definitely wasn't a hashtag because we didn't have social media in those days. In fact, we I, I don't think we, well, we didn't, did we have phones? No, we didn't have phones even. So, uh, I, you know, I, I could see this. In fact, I could see it back when I was at school. Before I went to medical school, I actually wrote uh, my sixth form science prize, which is the equivalent of the sort of science fair, uh, was a population health uh, programming tool to identify and uh, treat cardiovascular disease in population. So I saw the value of this, the value of data, the value of digitization, the ability to process information. And I've been on this long, um, just riveting journey of rolling out electronic medical records, one of the first paperless medical uh, hospitals many years back in Glasgow, Scotland, uh, through the Middle East, and then ultimately in the US, where I've transitioned through a range of companies bringing speech recognition, which I think is one of the enablers in healthcare uh, technology and digital health. Um, and now ultimately as a consultant with ECG Management Consulting as a principal, providing insights on digital health. So I think it's interesting for our audience to understand uh, digital health technologies and therefore uh, digital therapeutics are being characterized. They're very agile in comparison to something that was developed um, from a pharmaceutical manufacturer that actually develops a medication pro uh, product, the product can be updated as frequent as you want to update the database and the software that's running it. Sometimes it could be multiple times per week. And also the, um, the advent and the acceptance of artificial intelligence accelerating how we're going to be using data. These are exciting times. And what I want to ask of you is to customize your thoughts around digital health and digital therapeutics and how it can help the consultant uh, positioned pharmacist out there, either any, any of the spaces in something that's disease state, in public health, in being able to characterize uh, the changing or the necessary changes that need to be make be made to treatment modalities regardless, what are your thoughts on the fusion of the pharmacist and digital health? Well, so you bring up an interesting point about digital therapeutics. So on the one hand, what you described to me is terribly exciting. The opportunity, and you know, you talked about days, I think about seconds or even nanoseconds. We go, oh my goodness, we've learned something, let's apply it. <laughs> now, the other side to that particular coin is that that's equally terrifying because did what we learn 
actually correlate, or more importantly, was it causative in terms of disease and was it something that should be applied? So th there's, there's essentially two elements to this that I think bring challenges. And for me, that intersection point is not just about the medical field, but actually brings to bear the pharmacist who I think has a tremendous opportunity to deliver value into this. So if you think about these devices, and I'm, I'm in an office, I'm surrounded by them. I, I just, I can't get enough of them. I, I play with all sorts of digital devices because I think they're fascinating. They contribute data and insights, but I'm a geek. I'm a physician. I apply all of that knowledge and I'm really quite comfortable. You know, I, I had a, a digital device that was designed to essentially administer or to distribute opioids to try and start to bring some control. And it broke or it didn't work. There was some problems. I took it apart. That's just what I do. Now, you can't have that going on in a world of medicine and healthcare. And I think as you think about the sort of hyper-local, hyper-global type of approach, one of the things that I think is prevalent in, in the pharma world and, and that community is it's very local. People tend to know their pharmacist. I know my pharmacist. You know, you interact with them when you go in. They get to know you. It's part of a relationship. It's a building of trust. And for those folks, and that's the vast majority that don't have the clinical background, don't have the pharmacy background, don't have the science training, and don't have the technology training, who do they trust to say, I've got problems. I don't understand it. How do I apply or use this so that it actually delivers value? Is it safe? When I get an update, do I take the update? Do I do all of these things? So for me, it's a little bit like the geek squad or you know the, the, the genius bar. I think I see pharmacists in this digital therapeutics almost servicing that population with the, the huge value that they bring from both the, the traditional pharmacy side, but also the therapeutics and the understanding of the technology. It's an exciting time. Imagine that world opening up to you if that's what you were entering into. Yes, and that's encouragement for listeners out there who have had five, 10, 20 plus years in a space within pharmacy where they've become, I don't want to necessarily say bored, but sometimes bored. Maybe they want to move into something else and to have the understanding of how a disease progresses, sickle cell disease, uh, hyperlipidemia or hypertension or something where you could apply some type of technology to start tracking it and using information that's been collected for 10 20 years on a specific condition to start accelerating the guesswork and the diagnosis in moving forward within the treatment. When I hear you talking, Dr. Nick, that excites me because I think that it opens up a huge opportunity for pharmacists, which are, are sitting here among $9.4 billion in digital health funding which is, which is what was uh, dropped into our markets in 2020. And it's supposed to eclipse 12 billion in 2022. And why I'm saying that and shopping, you know, sh shouting at the, the top of the podcast spheres per se is 
if you are a pharmacist and you're listening to this episode right now, number one, uh, connect with Dr. Nick on LinkedIn because he's a maven in this and sh you should be following him on, link on LinkedIn as well as Twitter because I do. But also think of the disease states that you've become a specialist in and go out to the markets and find, is there technology that's helping, especially the more complex disease states, to actually manage from a data perspective, uh, the OneDrop, the Lark Health, the Cognoas, the Kia's Health, the Happify Health, and of course, my favorite digital uh, pair therapeutics, where they are building these apps to be placed in the hands between the health record, the physician, and the pharmacist to track these uh, diseases and the outcomes based on the medical and medication treatments. That is the future. If you want to become a pharmacist futurist or a futurist pharmacist, um, you have to submerge yourself in the nerdy stuff that, that really gets you and I excited, Dr. Nick. Yeah, and, and I think you bring up a number of points here. Uh, you know, even if you're not bored, I, I've got to be honest. If you are not getting on this train, you will be left behind because the world is moving. I think we have to accept the change. Um, you know, looking back with sort of wizardness that, you know, goes, gosh, I wish it was still like that. It's not. It's changing. And some of it is not always as good or as at least we perceive it not as good, partly because it's change. But that opportunity to step in, and I think if if I was to guide or counsel people, I would say being a learning individual, learning organization, or a learning group all of the time, absorbing and being the expert, why not be the Yoda of all of those applications that you talk about? I mean, who else would you go and trust and say, hey, I've got, you know, I, I've got five choices here. Could you be the consumer reports equivalent of a validation and it's maybe not you know you, you can't recommend one specifically over another because you know they're comparable but you can highlight the things that say well i really like it for this these are the things these are the positives as i understand it and knowing you the patient the consumer the customer however you put sort of perceive that relationship it, it just helps guide it. And I think there's this tremendous trust that exists, and you're going to see a shift in this um, interaction of an individual. It's not just a transaction. I come in, you, I give you a piece of paper, you return it with a bag with some drugs in it. That's not the future. The future is an engagement that continues the cooperation between the physician who prescribed it and understanding what was intended and will they get the intended outcome if there's no handoff that says, oh, you need to do the following. It's not the same as just taking a, a medication anymore. There's so much more to it. And you need those Yodas in your life. I think the pharma world can be the Yoda for that digital therapeutic. I agree especially the ones who have seen what the patient is going through in stages, mm. especially in titration, for example. Let's, let's take uh, opioid usage disorder and how complex that is, especially when comorbidity is there and you're having to deal with three, six, nine medications and you have to kind of combat the addiction first 
and you've been in two two year stage of what's not worked up to that point. You found the opioid. The patient says, I want off this stuff. You're going to make a transition between a Suboxone and a uh, Vivitrol. You need eight days to 10 days of nothing in your system. And now you have to make that transition. Imagine having an app that could help that transition, sprinkle in some vitamin B or whatever the pharmacist believes is going to help them, working with the physician, jettison all the data back to the EHR so that we can track this. We're going to build more successful treatment plans because we don't have to rely on the human to track absolutely everything. But that specialist that understands from an empathetic perspective of what that patient is actually going through because they've seen it over and over and over again, we could save more lives, especially in that addiction space, especially in mental health, where we know what may come based on the mounds and mounds of data that has been generated since then of what we've been tracking and be able to push that into some kind of prescribed app to be able to reach out to the patient and say, listen, it's going to be week six. You might feel nausea. You might have this headache that might be a, from a scale on average between a six and a nine, but don't worry. Make sure that you call me if you, if you, if you have any questions, but that's the kind of, you know, people, when we talk about technology, Dr. Nick, people are always like, well, it's dehumanizing. I don't see it that way. I see it, how it can reach out better and enable our care providers and our providers to allow the data and allow the algorithm and allow AI to do a job they just don't have time to do to really enable them to start caring again for the patient one-on-one -on -one and hand-holding. 100%. So I, I think the important thing here is, and you know, one of the, the things that makes me bristle a little bit, I'll be honest, is uh, artificial intelligence. And it, it's a for augmentation is my view of this. I think it's true in medicine. There's this fear of, you know, my jobs disappearing. We saw that with the printing press. We saw that with radio. We saw it with television. You know, uh, TVs will disappear, you know, all of this. And, uh, you know, one of the visuals that I continue to sort of throw up on the screen when I'm presenting and talking about this is was the picture of all the people in New York lined up on the street reading their newspapers. And, you know, the corresponding picture of today is just people are holding their phones reading the same information. We, we, we continue to progress. What we do is we replace the boring, mundane tasks, and the ones that we as humans are terrible at. I mean, I'll just pick a mundane task that I'm terrible at, and that's spelling. I'm awful at spelling. Actually, I'm awful at typing, and then, you know, it's just compounded by the fact that my typing is so poor that I have all these typos. I have some wonderful technology that actually makes me look not great, let's be clear, but, you know, not too bad because it picks it up, it's automated, it sits behind and it gives me information that is useful. And that's the, the case in all of this where we have to pick and choose that information. And again, when it comes to the, 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 the world of the pharmacist, they blend that augmentation. So the additional data, I think helping with patients coming in, trying to guide them in what they capture, what's relevant, what's not relevant, what can you discard, you know, that looks like a, um, a spurious reading, perhaps we should reread it, don't get concerned about it, just, you know, that. But the other thing is that this is highly personal, just because it's technology doesn't mean say it doesn't impact us on an individual personal basis. And the reality of this is, 
that you're interacting with somebody that is a human being behind uh, a, 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 a whole group of folks who you have a relationship with, and they see, they see it in your eyes. They don't see it in the technology. They know that there's something up. That's the beauty of this is that it blends the technology with humanity and you get supported so that you can focus in. And maybe the technology guides you to say, even though this patient says everything is fine, I'm seeing something different. Yep. Maybe I'm going to have an interaction that changes it and, and exposes something that's going on where we can help. That's a wonderful possibility and potential. That's something I want to be involved. It's certainly something I want to access. I'm, I don't know about you folks, but I know I do. Absolutely. My favorite subject in one app that I'm so impressed with is an app where the patient takes their cheek swab pharmacogenomics test to ensure how and what medications they're absorbing, which uh, efficacy levels are, are you absorbing fast, slow, breaking down all of that. And I don't understand the science per se, when you start talking about the genomes and the DNA panels and all that. But I do know that this app, when they send the results of that back to the patient, back to the EHR and back to the pharmacist, all three of them, it's on an app where they can walk up to an over-the-counter medication at a community pharmacy or a Walmart or whatever and scan it. And there are over 400,000 SKUs or NDCs, National Drug Codes, that are in there, as well as the prescribed medications, of course, that are all part of this dialogue where now the patient can interact with their telehealth physician, telehealth pharmacist, and ask questions that if it comes up and it's color coded. So if it's green, buy it. You know, it's it's not going to, you're going to interact fine with it. If it's orange, if it's red, press this button and access a pharmacist immediately or your physician or someone that's an extension of your care team to ask questions. And there you go where you're educating the patient and you're making them cognizant of what they're taking into their body because we know patients and consumers, they see something over the counter, they think it's harmless. Now they're able to say, wow, this may not interact with me based on my DNA and I'm gonna ask my pharmacist for assistance. Those are the kind of technologies that are happening today and that we can actually see, wow, this could really extend the relationship and the triad between the physician, pharmacist, and patient. That excites me. You, you know, you bring up an interesting example because I, I explored this a number of years ago because we were pushing the, the concept. We had 23andMe, albeit they sort of fell foul of the FDA and withdrew, but you know, I jumped in, that was a partial exome. I actually went and got a full exome uh, uh, sequencing of my DNA, um, tried to get that to my physician, uh, you know, uh, keeping the story as brief as I can. It was a digital file. They sent it on a USB stick with a summary printout. The physician dumped the USB stick, scanned in the paper copy. And when I asked for a copy of my report, they hit print and printed out the scanned copy of the summary report. I, you know, just a, a nightmare. Oh, I tell that story because embedded in that data, and because I'm a physician, I had the privilege of actually going and looking and paying attention and, you know, exploring all this. 
there were three, count them, three drugs commonly used. Plavix was one, warfarin was another, and I, I, if I recall, it was antidepressants. I'm not on any of those, but at some point I might be. Right. I know I want that information current. I don't want somebody testing out, oh, let's try Plavix. Well, actually, that might not be a good idea with you. Exactly. And here, in, in that app that you described, is a perfect example. In the Mayo study that they published, do you know that it is 99% out of 20 people, 19 will have at least one pharmacogenetic variation that will give them a common drug that is in use that they are either a super metabolizer or an under metabolizer. Uh, one way or the other, it's gonna cause problems. I think I would want the pharmacist to be actually engaging with me and sort of informing that. Just yeah. think about that, because it's not that the physician doesn't know or doesn't care, but that's just a, a sideline. Maybe that information isn't coming. So, you know, you that contribution is huge. And the value proposition, not only did you save me all the misery of, you know, a drug that wasn't working, you saved me the cost too. Exactly. And think about the reimbursement in the world of the PBM and the you know, having to pre-author, get pre-authorization on things, you could be running this behind the scenes just as a pharmacist when they do first check, uh, second check, final check on a medication to make sure there's no uh, adverse reactions. They could be running this data through this PGX enabled app to say, oh, by the way, we got to put you on this. Um, and by the way, we're, we're not going to waste time and money, especially in the psychotropic world where they're, you know, your psychiatrist says, hey, try this for your depression. And then three months later, oh, that didn't work. Try this for, you know, depression. Oh, that didn't work. Sometimes that causes major harm. Sometimes we've seen suicide sometimes. And this could all be avoided if we say, oh, your body doesn't work well with this med. Therefore, based on your DNA, let's get you on something that does work. I think it's a it's a no brainer to me, but I'm not the pharmacist nor the physician. So um, it, it, it's an essential component, although it hasn't been integrated. And again, you know, it's an opportunity to your community and the folks listening to this. Imagine if that was something that you actually positively engaged in. It may not have been ordered. It may not be part of the standard, but imagine if that became part of the principles of, you know, the, the offering or the solution. And it didn't just, hey, use this because I make money out of it. It's use this and I will help guide you with the results. And this is why it's relevant because... 19 out of 20 people it's a huge number it's extraordinary and what have we done historically we did everything that you described todd which is oh let's try this try that you know didn't work did work. oh you felt terrible oh i'm so sorry let's stop that drug <laughs> but that was the best that we had in the day it's not anymore there are better solutions and that's where opportunity lies right there and this mitigates the risk of not only the adverse drug reaction, but let's think about the expense of healthcare. Imagine not having to worry about being sued as a medical organization or as a um, as an insurer, where you could say, "Oh, hey, listen, you are on eight meds. Uh, two of them, just like you said, Doctor Nick." Um, you know, 60% of our data says that people are having an issue metabolizing this. Let's make sure that we run a test 
based on what the, by the way, if you go and you go to Google right now and you put in FDA pharmacogenomics, they have the entire list of the, of the medications that are, that are, are teeter tottering, teeter tottering between like 40 and 60%, you know, issues that have come up over the years based on data that, that list is going to continue to grow. I remember when I first saw that list, there were 136 meds on that. There's over 600 medications on that list now, and they're all broken up into cardiovascular or psychotropic or opioids or whatever category it's in. That's beautiful data that should be used and should be put in the hands of the physician pharmacist teams to um, to get rid of some of the risks that could be navigated and avoided based on data, algorithm, artificial intelligence, and technology. That's part of that augmentation process that we talked about before. It's, you know, there's no way that you're going to recall those 600 drugs. I, I don't know about pharmacists. Actually, I'm curious, Todd, I, you know, tell me, because I know for physicians, what do we carry around in our, our doctor's bag? I got, it's 20 drugs. That's roughly the, the sort of typical. What about pharmacists? Do they carry a, a bigger set in their brains because that's where they focus or are, are they in the same zone? That's a great question. And that goes into the sectors because we can break pharmacy into community, long-term care, specialty, compounding, uh, mixed bags, um, uh, research. So the average pharmacist is a constantly accumulating new information, but that community pharmacist that's behind the bench, they're relying on the data resources in order to tell them the latest and greatest, but I'm sure they have memorization, not only based on drug-drug uh, interactions and drug allergies, but they've become very customized to knowing their patients, especially the ones that come in most often. That's where I think they become so invaluable so that they can actually catch things before they happen to their patients. But these data resources are more important than ever and the technologies and the databases that are ex accessed by our physician and pharmacist are also more important than ever. And I'm excited about the future. I'm, I'm young enough and hyperactive enough to, to be and nerdy enough to, to be on the, the forefront of watching what's coming. And it's exciting to have you here talking about it. I could, I could have you back uh, more often, uh, Dr. Nick. Maybe there's a segment for you and in, in our pharmacists. I, I would love to. I mean, I, I just I think the opportunity to find a better, more cooperative approach to the treatment of disease, but more importantly, I would say the approach to wellness. That's really the primary driver. We we want to keep people away from hospitals. I know, you know, for the for the uh, financial folks, that's a little bit terrifying. But the reality is nobody wants to be in hospital. We want to approach that with the, the, the same um, ideals of delivering the best health to people. So we have a sick care system. And for me, the move or the pivot to well care is integrated with all of the members and the players. And for me, the pharmacist as the deliverer of therapeutics and treatments, or at least one of the elements of that, is an essential component. There are so many areas to explore in my mind. I agree. Dr. Nick, this has been great. It's been long overdue. It was great actually meeting you in person at HIMSS. 
2021. We'll be back at Hymns 2022. We should do a um, a live recording when we're there and um, and and get the latest and greatest. Anything that changes between now and then, uh, I may be reaching out to you. Uh, anytime, Todd. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. I love the work that you do, love the show, um, and, and indeed a, a privilege to sort of talk about this. As you know, I, I've got a passion. I think you do too. It's always fun to get on and uh, and connect with you. I do. Thank you so much. Uh, wish you a great Thanksgiving and uh, holiday, and uh, we will we will be watching you on the Twitter sphere. Same to you. Thanks, Todd. Thank you.